Let's, let's read the scripture this morning found in your bulletin on page 5. This comes from Genesis, uh, third chapter. Familiar to some of us. This is the word of God. Scripture says that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and and, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of God. Why? Why are we so tempted by individualism? Why are we so tempted by autonomy? Why are we so tempted to to move towards self-rule and and self-direction and control over our world and ourselves by ourselves? The Bible says that in the story of Adam and Eve, the the first two people created by God, that the serpent, the evil one, the the devil, uh, said this. If you eat of the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil, yeah, the, the one God told them not to eat from. If you eat of this, you will be like God. You will know good and evil. In other words, you will be in control of your own destiny. You will steer your own car. You will live like you want. And and you will be able to determine what is right and wrong for yourself. Which will mean this. Like God, what you do, why you do, and how you do will never and can never be that wrong. Why? Why would you and I like to have such power? 
such control. Such self-guided rule to, to be that untouchable, that in control, that self-determinating, determining. Yes, why in the world would you want to be God or God too when there already is a God? It's simple, isn't it? This world and its people are unpredictable. And untrustworthy. I mean, how many times does the person at the drive through line have to get your order wrong for you to realize that if you are not in control of yourself, you will get cheese on a no cheese order? That, that, you know, that, that the lid on your coffee will not be on tight if you don't put it on yourself. That that teenager in the back cooking your burger just finished, you know, popping the zits on his face before putting the bread on top of your A-rated restaurant burger. If you don't do it yourself, somebody's going to mess it up for you. How many times? Will you be left out because you don't fit in? You're, you're too big or you're too small or you're too poor or you're too black or you're too white or you're too something or too little or too much. But never right or good enough to be loved by the ones you want to be loved by so badly. How many times do you have to believe in a relationship that this person, they're the one. And they act like the one only to go after another. How long will you live in the soap opera of a, I'll get married, or if married, how many times will your spouse still not listen to you, or understand you, or get you? They, they still don't know your favorite color, or they really think they do, or they don't really know what your favorite food you like. How long will you not realize that if you don't look out for number one, you'll be trashed. How much of the poverty and ignorance of your family can you take? How long can you take their living and loving foolishly? How many times do you we have to have experienced physical or sexual or emotional abuse before we get the picture that we have to take control of our own lives? I mean, in your naivety, in your ignorance, you actually thought your mom or dad or uncle or extended family member would actually care for you. That that boyfriend or girlfriend would have actually respected you enough not to try it. That, that mom or dad loved you enough not to leave you alone or make you be quiet or have you be an audio participant to their new love interest, which could be a person or a bottle or a needle or a pipe, something Anything that took them from you and you from them. And daddy? For some of us, daddy? I mean, who who are you talking about? You you must be kidding me. And, And even if and when daddy was there, he was always somewhere and someone else. Fending for yourself. Why would you not? Take a bite out of what will give you control of your life when the ones responsible for you who had the steering wheel failed to care enough to buckle you in as they drove into the crash of their life's bad choices. The idol of autonomy seems like the best choice to stay 
alive. To stay you. To stay real. I mean, I don't know about you, but this world and its people make me want to know and decide and figure for myself because I have and will get crushed and hurt and demeaned and damaged. I mean, okay, closer to the fire, how many times will you believe and have believed that this church is the one? You know, you're visiting churches. Wait a minute. I really like that pastor. He's so authentic, man. I can trust him. I can, I can trust this church community with my soul. The, the little hope you have that exists in God. And once again, people will disappoint and take advantage of, of your heart and life. They'll kind of, you, you've experienced people, especially in spiritual settings, taking your soul and making dinner out of it again and again. I mean, why should we be fools again and let someone lead us? and take us anywhere spiritually or socially. Why not be in control? And if we were to get to the real nugget of a drive for autonomy and individualism and self-rule, it will be to be God because God obviously can't be. For some of us, Because the so-called God left you hanging, you realize you've got to hold on for yourself. You've experienced that feeling like he failed to answer your prayers. He let evil have its way in your life and it damaged you. He, the one in ultimate control, doesn't seem to talk back and he doesn't seem to speak in terms that make sense in your world. I mean, he let mama die. He let grandmama die. He let daddy die. He let me be single this long. He won't give me any children. And then he teases me like I am going to have some more children just to take it away or make it real hard. Why did he make me so unattractive? And some of us have said it and lived like this way. God, this is it. I am God. And when I need your help and your advice and your seemingly twisted sense of morality, I will ask for it. I'll come to church on Sundays when I feel like it. When I want to maybe get a little help. God, you can be an advisor or even a suitor or a salesman for my heart. But right now, it's hard to trust you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. It's me, myself, and I now. And folks, that's what happens in your hearts when the idol of autonomy and this story of Adam and Eve is ours. For this is how it broke in to confuse our concept of of the freedom that we think being in control of our own lives give us. Scripture says in verse 22 that the, 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 the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. That we look to, to answer our world's issue with personal control and self-determination. It is almost a natural inclination for us who are in a world that, that hurts us and damages us. And just so you don't get it confused, to all of us who feel like we are a survivor, by self-rule and autonomy. You know what this verse is saying? This verse is not a happy one for you. It is saying in your autonomy, in your self-determination and self-rule, you are sealed off from real freedom. 
that you're actually trapped. That you're, you feel like you on the inside, but you're actually on the outside looking in, enslaved and, and having to know and determine for yourself. And you're actually cut off, as the scripture says, from the tree of life. And at the end of our self-determination and autonomy, there is spiritual suicide and self-deception. I mean, let's take a look at what the idol of autonomy looks like really. Because it doesn't look like freedom to be and know yourself. Look with me again again at verse 4. This is the serpent talking. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of your eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing God at good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the Bible says this, then they, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fake leaves together and and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. This is what self-discovery for personal independence to know thyself, to, to thy own self be true, to be free to be yourself by yourself really looks like. You are truly not free at all. You see, like Adam and Eve, our sense of autonomy becomes more about hiding yourself than truly being yourself. But but to be covered and, and even become something else. To put on leaves, to put on the mask, a put on, you know, to hide your nakedness, your weakness that you in this world has made you aware of. Remember, your eyes are open now, so now you've got a cover to hide the shame of your inabilities and mistakes to what's more prevalent, to live a life in which you are always having to defend yourself that ain't freedom that's not being God now why not for the nudist camp thing in this way real freedom don't go do it you didn't hear me say do it real freedom to be yourself regardless of what people think feels like nudity it feels like nakedness here's the question then can you really be you in this world are you really being you the real you in this world I highly doubt it when you are hurt by others or feel like God has deceived you or whatever, you have been the laughing stock before others and all of us have had the joke that didn't work or came to school with the zipper down or thought you had Nikes and you had shikies and people tease you, you know what it's like. You begin to really know yourself. Which means you've seen and know your frailty and your insignificance and your dispensability and how unimpressive you are. And now human autonomy becomes about the leaves, man. Like proving and protecting yourself and sowing it just right. <laughs> I'm me now. Look at me. Cause, but you're not you because you've become the cover-up. 
You see, self-determination is like a, like a caricature of yourself. You know, people who are overconfident and think they rule the world, it's kind of funny. You ever going in the mall and seen them draw a caricature and the, the head's a little big? Like, you can tell that's Michael Jackson, but his head's real big. Or you can, you can tell that's a star, but they exaggerate like Mick Jagger. He always had the lips like this big and his head's like this little. And when we're like, I'm controlling my own life, I'm running it. What you're really doing is showcasing a caricature of yourself. You're a larger than life, stronger than you really are presentation. So a caricature where the areas in which you are in control, or you can prove the others are your control, those things are exaggerated. Stuff like says me, that I'm unstoppable, that I'm impenetrable, with no vulnerability. Maybe you like to talk about your job a lot. Maybe you like to talk about how you have no job. Maybe you like to talk about how you live in and And you always got to be where your gifts and talents, that the things that people can look at you and can say, wow, I'm in control. But you know what it's really like? You're like a cartoon masked hero starring in your own poorly acted B-movie entitled, I am the man. (laughs) And and your character goes around (laughs) saying to everybody else in this movie of yourself, I'm okay. How you doing, man? I'm good. Or they kind of go around. I mean, saying stupid things like, 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 I don't, I don't need anybody. I got it on my own. Or, or, or no, I don't want to go in there with the small group people. Or, or I just don't. I only want to be around me worshippers. No real eclectic community. Only you. Only want to be around those who affirm you and worship you and think you're great. And even in stuff like servanthood, people who are in the ministry or, or doing mercy ministry. You know, it's funny because you actually are an. Ex- you actually exactly. Exaggerate the fact that, you know, my life is in my own. I'm there for those kids. I'm so in control of being the servant. I've seen it too, you know, sometimes, you know, this, this caricature of the good submissive wife, servant crap. Just... <laughs> And it isn't you aren't really living for somebody else. You're living to become a caricature of something that says, I am so in control. I'm so in charge that I could even be the submissive wife or the good servant or the mercy person that gives up their house and their finances and their time. And we talked about this before. Even the kind of unknowable, quiet person that's so shy. No, man, it's a mask. (laughs) Sounds like uh, Austin Powers. It's a mask, dude. You know, it's a mask, man. It's a, it's a fake. And all of this, all of what you've become, your wearable, livable resume, is a leaf of protection that you must sow and maintain and work hard at. Man, it's gonna rip. Man, it's like the fifteen dollars shirt. I tried it on, and then I'm kind of walking around. And I see this big, long, uh, yellow string. And it's after I took the shirt off, it was on my other shirt. And I pulled it off. I was like, oh, no. And Kelly just laughing at me. She's like, I'm sorry, man. It's $15. You work hard at getting around and away from certain conversations and people and God that's going to reveal who you really are. And you call that autonomy? To hide your weakness? To be free to cover your shame? 
to defend yourself and in doing so to have to be like the God of the Bible. You kind of have to establish your own commandments and your own rules. And, and this is the way I see it. And, and these my morals, you got yours and I got yours. You know, I'm a God, brother, and you a God. We all gods. We, we got our own morals because we're free to be who we want to be. But look what happens here with Adam and Eve. He says, did God say, really say you must not eat of the tree? And Eve comes back. And, and the Bible says she actually adds some stuff, right? She starts to put her own self-thoughts in it. He says we must not eat of it or touch it. Now, I don't know about no touch it, but I know you're not supposed to eat it. So she see her begin to add her own little take on it because she really wants to touch it. She likes the way it looks. She's like, he said we can eat it. And, Ooh, we can't touch it. You know, and, and, and see, then she begins to say, you know, uh, stuff like, you know, she begins to look and say, man. But boy, that's going to taste good. And boy, my poor husband, he's been looking skinny lately. Adam, I love you. So I want you to have it. And Adam's right there, y'all. I really believe he's standing right there. He's thinking, yeah, I really want my wife to have it too. You know you can't afford that ring. It's 19% interest. You know that thing's too expensive for you. But oh, she's got to have it. You know, and then they're both thinking in their own ways. They're, they're breaking all the rules. They know they shouldn't do it. But they begin to say, oh, it might taste good. Or who cares whether this might deter- destroy us? It, maybe it won't. Yes, it won't destroy us. We'll be like God. And I've redetermined that the effects of my choices are not that bad. See, if you're your own God like Eve attempted to do, you have to be right and righteous most of the time, if not all the time, which means what? You have to make new laws and morals to support your little kingdom rule. We've all had in attempts to be God had justifying thoughts like, I really deserve this today. I've worked so hard. Or they aren't going to look out for me. Or, or man, God has made this too hard for me to be in control. So, or it, it is so self-fulfilling and satisfying. Or, you know, you, you, you're singing uh, the, the greatest love of all song when Whitney Houston is going in your head. And the greatest love is me loving myself. You know, you've got an anthem for your way you live. I mean, you're thinking and you begin to think crazy stuff like, like Eve did. Forget the world and family and children and wife and husband and yeah. The way I'm feeling right now, so empty, so alone. Let me make a new rule. Forget God. Forget what he said. He only made me. Forget him. I can't be free to be God or any other way but be a slave. You and I can't be free to be a God any other way but be a slave to rebellion. A slave to recreate the rules in some way or other very destructive to other people. And to cover our ungodly godness, we like Adam and Eve make right and wrong to fit our mistakes and weaknesses and vices and emptiness and hunger to, to be so above and outside of others understanding that God's biblical mission, it, they don't fit me. Yeah, man, this, this, this don't fit me, man. I'm going to have to get my own leaves. Well, you know, I, I, God, he don't understand. He, he don't get it. You know, it doesn't fit my situation. As Lauren Hill says in the song, as a suicidal, heartbroken person, I don't want to hear what y'all got to say because my stuff is complex. Get tired of hearing people. You don't understand, Pastor. I'm complex. 
I got to do this. Things kind of mix up right now. You got it's, it's complex. And complex is another way of saying, I want to do what I want to do. And here's what happens. Things are so complex that you and I, like a God, covered in mystery. Nobody can reach you. You're unsearchable and unrighteous in your own right. You have actually become a helpless human being. Nobody, sounds like the power thing, nobody and nothing can reach you or find you or give you a hand. You can't be in no committee. You want no help. Why? Because it was insecurity that made you try to be your own God in the first place. So every attempt to reach you, every word of advice is suspect or definitely not as good as your own. Any authority figure is scary. Every I just want to help is dangerous. Everything that feels like intimacy or closeness is a plot or plan to shut you down or control you into some bad place. Every touch feels like a molesting. Every helping hand feels like corporate takeover. Every truth sounds like a lie. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to be your own God, it all becomes about being untouchable, unreachable, and helpless. Scripture says something funny. You know, I, I really wondered, y'all, if they eat of the ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, why didn't they walk out proud? They should have been helpful. They should have had a better marriage. They know how to love each other. They 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 got the encyclopedia of love now. They got men are from Mars, women are from Venus in their heads. They they got it. I know now, Eve, you my woman, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. He should be writing better poetry for her. They should they know now, so they should be loving God better. And it's real interesting here what happens. The Bible says that they covered themselves and they hid among the trees. Now get this, they not only cover themselves toward God, but toward each other. There is a cutoff, there is a there are places and there are ways about me. I are unreachable and helpless because I've decided I am the only one who can handle my problem. The idol of autonomy like Adam and Eve makes you hide and cower and run to a place where you are the only one who can help yourself. You know, your prayers are really about you doing it where you won't be able to be touched or reached or visited or helped. And get this, you are stuck right there, only being as good, only experience life as well as you can, only dealing with hurt and pain as well as you can, only operating in the deep places as well as you can cut and take the pain. And when you become helpless by anyone or anything else, you and I become careless careless which means you can't be cared for so you do crazy things like try to operate on yourself (laughs) understand the spiritual and emotional things we do to ourselves and social things it's like you're going to do a full scale operation on your heart and life you got the scalpel, you the nurse, you the surgeon, you the anesthesiologist, you the heart rate lady, you the insurance person. You know exactly what it takes to fix yourself in autonomy and self-determination outside of God. And it's provided means to help you, makes us do and think some careless and crazy and dangerous things like this. I don't need community. I will not tell anybody, anybody, about my struggles. At 
all costs, I will look and act like I'm in control. I'm not going to listen to them sermons, except with a critical heart. I will not commit to anything or anybody. I will not go to counseling or ask for help or act desperate in any way. Careless. Self-operation. Some of you have been so careless that your heart and life are almost dead. Let me explain this. You have killed yourself with self-isolation. You are so unknown, so in control, alone of your own stuff, so independent that like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes in your lives, you have lost grip on life because nobody has touched you. I was watching TLC and they had this thing on the feral children. Y'all saw that thing? Children raised by dogs and all that? And um, they have some crazy stuff on there. Got it late night on Saturdays. And, um, and so... Like, they had this lady, this girl, who was abused by her parents. They just kept her in a dark room. And they'd just throw food in there. They wouldn't hug her. They wouldn't kiss her. They wouldn't touch her. They wouldn't talk to her. They would, and the room was dark. And, and they said when they found the girl, she was like 15 or something like that. But she was three years old in here. And they did the scientific thing. And apparently, because she was untouchable, because she hadn't had human contact, that her brain actually was damaged. That that she, her brain had shrunk. That, that it didn't grow like other human beings' brains grow. And she couldn't talk and she couldn't think. And the end of the story that this lady from, from Hopkins or Princeton, one of these smart places, she comes out and they, and they find her and they take her to therapy. And there's nothing they can do. It's over. She's so deprived of others, so into, and not her own, not in her own right now. She was abused, but so self alone that she was almost dead here. I mean, the idol of autonomy is a disconnect. It's being in the dark. It's being in the room alone and our hearts, our souls are shrunk by loneliness to destructive nothingness, to, to a MySpace suicide. No one knows you, can know you, no one can help you, no one can speak to you directly and that's not life. That's closer to death. Fear and insecurity and pride and arrogance have made you a walking vegetable of a person. How though? What do we do? Can we call Princeton up? Can we get house in here? Figure out what to do. I don't want house helping me. He'll be depress me and hurt my feelings. He might be able to help my body, but he'll kill my soul. Call me all kind of names and anyway. How? How then can we be saved from the death of having to be God? Look with me at verse nine. It says this. But the Lord God called to the man. This is after he's hiding. Where are you? Where are you? God is asking them, where are you? Where is our relationship? Where has your heart going? Where is your life run to? What have you become? How did you get here? Why are you so insecure? Why do you hate yourself? Why are you so, why do you hate your real stuff? And what follows, you don't have the scripture. If you have your Bible, you can look at it. This is when God confronts them and confronts the serpent and, and says things are going to be God, be hard. And he says, God is agreeing. Y'all are messed up. Put the gun down. Get off the edge of the cliff. Y'all have messed up. 
you've been messed up, but I have a plan. A plan to be a God of rebellious and autonomous and in control seeking people. And the plan is this. Verse 21. I will not let you dress yourself anymore. I will dress you myself. And I will give you life. I will, let me, let me say, I will give you life instead of you getting it for yourself. You know, he puts the swords up in front of the tree of life so they can't get to the tree of life, can't get it for themselves. So he's saying, I'm going to be the only one who is going to be able to give it. Now, before we underestimate the power of someone dressing you, consider what it means and what it does to your heart. This is a struggle with my boys. Four-year-old and two-year-old who can dress themselves. And y'all, you already got the thoughts in your mind. It is 90 degrees, and Harrison's coming out with a fully lined sweatsuit with boots. <laughs> Clark, oh my goodness, Clark. I mean, brother be coming, I, I don't know what he'd be thinking. I got pajama pants on today, I'm good to go. See you later. And you go to help him, let me help you. No, daddy, I got it. No, I can dress myself. And I mean, they got the tag on the backwards stuff with scratching them, they're itching because the tag in the wrong place or, or the shoes like this or they picked out some shoes. Now Kelly's put their, like the first shoes, you know, the moment. They kind of put them little shoes on and, and, the, and let me tell you, they hurting and itching and painful and almost destroyed themselves, but they in control, y'all. Walking proud. Trying to cover up how bad it hurts. Anything except daddy helping me. The gospel, the message of God's care for us, Christianity, can be hard. Because it says, like I say to my boys, you can't dress yourself. Every attempt is harmful to you. It's dangerous to you. It'll make you itch. It'll give you a rash, man. It says you can't take care of yourself. Your life looks and is jacked up by your own hands. But it is freeing because it is not about being redressed just to show how backwards you and I are. But Mosor, he's covering us himself to cover and and, and break down the shame and sense of of self-protection. What is God doing? He's covering the fears and scars that we can't. The fears and scars that are coward, that make us cowardice and liars about who we really are. It, it, It frees us to stop acting like we are sure. And okay, And okay, God's grace clothing gives you the freedom and security to be who you really are and can be. And do you know what that is? Sinners loved by God. It's the only free place to be. It's the only only message that can cover you for real. All right, I'm messed up. Dress me, God. And as he dresses you in the grace, he says, you're a sinner. But you're loved by me. Yes, you are a rebellious brat who love to try to put on your own shoes on backwards and will hurt your feet not to be wrong. You're a loved and kept and redressed by God to be the ones God dresses. Children who need him to dress them lest they be self-condemned and shamed and destroyed when they try to do it themselves. But there's more quickly. The flaming sword thing. There's a tree of life. And God says this in the scripture. 
put an angel with a sword to guard the tree of life. Lest, now that they kind of are figuring life for themselves, kind of being autonomous, if they eat the tree of life, then guess what? They'll become like us. They'll become eternal. They'll become, they won't be mere mortals. And they'll live separately from us forever. I don't want that. And, and, and again, he is saying that he saves us from self-dependency and autonomy by stopping us from finding and taking lives for yourselves. It's a good thing that your life is no life when you try to do it on your own. It's the message of the Bible and Christianity. Is this, look. God alone gives life. Two keywords, alone and gives. Again, it's hard to accept. Let me, let me tell you what it's like. The other night, we were at Amari and Sharice's a group from the church, small group and some other folk, and we were playing Pictionary. We got some competitive people in this church. I'm one of them. <clears throat> and so I'm like, we couldn't fit. We lost a dice, and we weren't sure... A dice? A die? Okay, we weren't sure who was supposed to go first. And this is me. Look, y'all can go first. And Elizabeth Trent says, Nuh-uh! Like, why? I said you can go first! No! It's just, it's just the way it is. It's like, no, you ain't gonna try to give it to us. We wanna earn it. Let's roll a dice. Don't just... Hey, you can have the ball first, man. Y'all can have it. And that's the way it feels with God when God says, guess what? You're going to try to get life. And let me tell you something. It's hard because we want to earn and control it. And God's gift of Jesus clearly says, you're going to lose if I don't spot you. That you're going to lose yourself and your life without me. And it wells up in us. Oh, man, dog. Why Jesus got to be a gift? I want to earn it. I want to deserve it. I want to be in control of it. I want to go to the store when I got enough money and buy it. I want to be able to have enough credit on my credit card to purchase Jesus. But God is saying, no. The gospel is that eternal life is a gift from God and not something you can earn over and over. He tells us in the scriptures and in the sacraments, if I give, I give life that you can't take and can't get and can't earn and can't control for yourselves. Now, my dad has been very helpful because, yeah, we on our own, but we still a little poor. And mom and daddy, I don't know why. They got some money now. Trying to spend it all, they told me. We're not leaving nothing for you. We're not leaving nothing. We're going to Alaska and Rome. We're spending it up. One time I called them, Mama, Daddy, where are y'all? Traveling, spending all your inheritance. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to fix my house up. I got an older house trying to get some things done. It's never the end. Oh, my. Okay, anyway. And I'm like, furnace goes out. We freeze it in there. Kelly puts more blankets on the kids. Whatever, you know, it, we don't have no fireplace. Better get the face heaters all over the place, man. I'm not worried about the fire going crazy and that you know, shh, and, and breaker flipping because of too many heat heaters, you know. You, y'all know what's going on. Y'all know. Some of y'all know the deal. And so I'm like, a furnace is gone. And, the, and Kelly's like, you want to call your daddy? No, I'm not calling my daddy. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Call your daddy. Call your daddy. No. We, we strong. Put on another blanket. I didn't want help. I wanted to prove something. I wanted to show off. And I learned something I didn't want to but needed to learn. His buying us, he did buy it. His, his buying the furnace was about his desire to show off his daddiness. He loved to show off his daddiness. When you go in, he's like, what you need, boy? With a wallet, mine starting to look like that big fat wallet. Hey, boy, what you need? 
Or sometimes he says he isn't going to get it and he still gets it. You know, he wants to be known and responded to what? As the one who is free and unhindered, unlike me, the one who is autonomous to care for me. It was about his showing off, not mine, for my own good. God is saying to all of us control freaks. Well, let me make it plain. Control failures. I alone am successful and autonomous and free to have life. And I'm the only one who is powerful enough and secure enough and true enough to give it. That Though you are not able to get life for yourself, I am. And the gospel asks and answers for your life in life. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You freezing. Oh, I'm taking care of myself. Who's your daddy? When things are cold and alone, who is your daddy? And the scripture says throughout that the God of the Bible is the one who is autonomous. Enough to not let you or your problems or your hang-ups stop him from doing what he does. He breaks unstoppably with his love and power into my space and your space and our space. And we did not have to ask you or me or creation. He doesn't care what mama did or daddy did or this world did or what you think God might have done or anything that makes you run foolishly to yourself. The scripture is saying this. He is autonomously the savior bull rushing your heart with love and life and care that you crazy this man you just crazy in the cold can't get for our sounds the idol of autonomy is crushed by a god who is autonomously loving uncontrollably full of grace and yes, he's cutting the tree of life because he wants to be the one to give it to you. He's showing you, I am in control of eternal life and I give it freely and nobody can stop me. I'm going to be a good God regardless of what you think. I'm sending Jesus anyway. I'm going to let the song touch your song heart anyway. I can't stand it. Sometimes I'm going to be mad. And I turn on the radio, I'm going to turn to the station, man. I'm going to beep up the cuss words or something. I'm going to put on this CD. I'm mad today. I'm going to put on Tupac. Boom. And I'm listening to it. Right? Autonomous. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to be mad in my own right. Listen to all the cuss words I can and, and have it banging loud and people looking at me. And I'm looking at what the mad black man looked. That's what I want to be today. And one song that really is kind of profane had this line in it like, you know, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to make people love you like that. Tupac, God, you got me. God can get you. You and autonomous enough to escape his love. You'll be leaving the house mad and a little squirrel come back. Ah, God. I've seen it happen too many times, man. I'd be preaching at the prison once when I was younger. And these hard guys come in. I'm just here because I got out of cell free if I sign up for the Jesus thing. After the preaching of the gospel, you a sinner. And God is a savior sinner. God is autonomous. And you are not. You can't stop his love for you and for this world. 
See, it is Jesus Christ, sacrificed like a lamb that clothes the shame of our failures. And is Jesus Christ exalted and proclaimed that is a tree of life for our attempted suicide. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have boundless grace, boundless, free, bull-rushing grace that comes and heals hearts and you give it. You give the gift, you leave it on the doorstep of our hearts, Lord, and there's nothing we can do but take it because your grace is so powerful, Lord. You are uncontrollably loving, and for that we praise you because we try to be so in control. Change our hearts today. Minister to us the gift of your covering and the gift of your eternal life through the gospel that calls sinners headed to suicide to be his people who know life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.